Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, current and future PAs on your way to financial independence. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm so happy that you are able to join me today. As many of you know, I am currently working as a PA in outpatient psychiatry. Well, today I had one of those days where I couldn't keep up with the charting, and I had several of those days in family medicine too. I do my absolute best to be efficient, yet be a thorough provider. So for the most part, I actually do stay on time and keep up with my notes, but some days it's just not possible. And days like today, where you end the day and you have several notes that you have to finish, it almost makes me feel like I'm reliving my day because I have to go back through all those encounters, try to recall all the information, enter all of the details in, and make sure that I have each part of the note that needs to be in there. So it's like you get to the end of your day, but then it's almost like you're reliving it all over again right away after your work has quote unquote ended. I'm sure many of you can relate whether you are a practicing PA or even if you are a PA student because a huge part of your training in PA school during rotations is practicing doing your notes for the patients that you have seen and having your preceptor review them and make changes if needed. I definitely try to type as much information as I can during the visit, but I do also still keep a notepad of all of the information that I want to make sure that I enter later as well to help jog my memory. So I hope that you did not have a day like I had today and that you were able to stay on top of all of your notes. But if you did have a day like I did, then trust me, I can absolutely relate. I am really looking forward to bringing today's topic to you in this episode. It has been a question that has been asked by some of the other PAs in the community that are part of the PA the FI way Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook and find the page for PA the FI way, on the page you can also find that there is a private group that you can join if you would like to. So the topic of today's episode is how to use four types of accounts to invest for your children's future. Specifically, we will be reviewing high-yield savings accounts, 529 plans, UGMA or UTMA accounts, and custodial Roth IRAs. So let's review why it's important to try to start investing as early as possible. Compound interest, which has been dubbed the eighth wonder of the world by Albert Einstein, needs time to grow its magical gains. Which group of people likely has the most time in the world to benefit from the effects of compound interest? Well, it's children, of course. The younger, the better, right? Once you start becoming financially literate 
and have ensured that you've set yourself up for success by saving and investing for your own future, it's very common to have a tinge of regret wishing that you would have known about financial independence sooner or implemented the plan to reach your financial goals sooner. You then likely start thinking about the kiddos in your life, whether they be your own children, nieces or nephews, or even grandchildren, and think if only they could start investing for their futures at such a young age, they would be set for life likely. Well, here's some exciting news. Both you and they could potentially start saving and investing for their futures, even if they're really young. As a reminder, it's important to ensure that the oxygen mask analogy is used first. Make sure that you take care of your own financial picture or put on your own oxygen mask before you even think about helping your little ones with their finances or their own oxygen mask. This suggestion may sound selfish, and I know that as current and future PAs, that you are all likely the type who like to give and take care of others, but if you aren't set up and won't be financially secure in your retirement and elderly years, then you can't adequately help your children and could even potentially become a financial burden to them. So you don't need to reach the point of financial independence by any means before you start saving and investing for your kiddos' future, but you definitely make sure that you have a plan in place that will get you to financial independence. And if you have excess money to save and invest for the future, then you can direct it towards your kiddos' futures as well. So let's discuss the various types of accounts to consider for those young people in your life. The first is a high-yield savings account that you could save in. So think of this type of account as the optimized piggy bank. If your child has a bunch of cash just lying around consider opening a high-yield savings account to store that cash so it can at least earn some money in the form of interest for the child over time. Honestly, high-yield savings accounts used to be better than what they are currently because they used to yield greater returns than what they do. So they're not necessarily amazing accounts by any means to help set your child up for success, but again, it may be better than having cash sit around at home. Shop around for high-yield savings accounts to compare the benefits and to find one with a high APY or annual percentage yield. The amount that the account would earn in interest through a high-yield savings account is actually taxable, but the benefits still likely outweigh this. The next type of account to consider for your kiddo is a 529 plan. The 529 savings plan account is a great way to save and invest for your child's future education. If you've heard of a 529 plan before, you likely are aware that you can use this type of plan to help your children go to college or university. However, this plan also now extends to further education, including trade or vocational schools, apprenticeship program expenses, and even up to $10,000 in withdrawal per year for qualified expenses for K-12 education through a private, religious, or even public school. That last part about 529 plan withdrawals being able to be used 
for education before college is a relatively new change in the past few years. But I think that this point is pretty amazing. As I believe that I have previously mentioned in past episodes, I went to a small Christian school from K-5 through 12th grade. So that would be considered both a private and religious school. Now, of those types of schools, that school was and still is incredibly affordable compared to other types of private or religious schools in the area. But this type of benefit of a 529 plan could have helped my parents out. But again, it was not a rule or allowed back then. 529 assets can not only be used for tuition, but also for qualifying educational expenses such as books, school supplies, equipment, room and board, computer hardware and software, internet costs, and repayment of student loans. Some of the huge benefits of 529 plans are the tax benefits. Although the contribution to a 529 plan is not tax deductible for your federal taxes, over half of the states have tax deductions or credits if you were to contribute to a 529 plan for that state. Additionally, the growth and withdrawals from a 529 plan are exempt from taxes as long as the withdrawals are used for qualified educational expenses. If not, they would be subject to be taxed on top of a 10% penalty. The total contribution amount that you can contribute to a 529 plan over the years depends on the state that the 529 plan is opened in and can usually range from about $300,000 up to $500,000. However, you also can only contribute either up to $15,000 per year as an individual to each beneficiary of the 529 plans that you have set up or $30,000 to each beneficiary between you and your spouse total to avoid a gift tax or you could do up to $75,000 as an individual or up to $150,000 as a married couple which then could cover your contributions for a total amount of five years. So if you do that higher amount, one time sum, you wouldn't be able to contribute in the next five years without having to pay the gift tax. So you can contribute more than $15,000 per year to a 529 plan as an individual, but the excess contributions would be subject to the gift tax. You can also open a 529 plan in states that are different from the one that you live in. Or if you move to another state, you don't necessarily have to move your 529 plan to your new state. However, you may want to open the plan in your state for you to take advantage of claiming the state income tax deduction or credit on your taxes. Additionally, some 529 plans have lower fees than others in other states, so it's worth taking the time to research and compare plans across various states. At this point, you may be convinced that a 529 plan sounds like a pretty good deal. If you don't have kids yet, like myself, but have already maxed out all of your employer retirement accounts, such as a 401k, 403b, 457b, etc., In addition to a Roth IRA and possibly even an HSA, you could consider also starting to contribute to a 529 plan. That's correct. You don't need to have your kiddos yet to start contributing. But how can this be done? Because the beneficiary that's listed needs to have a social security number listed as well. 
Well, you first would open a 529 plan in your own name using your own social security number. Then once you have your baby or if you adopt a child in the future, you can then have the account transferred to their name. Let's say that you have an incredibly smarty pants child who earns a full ride scholarship. First of all, if that's the case, congratulations. That's pretty awesome. You may now be concerned that they may not need any of the 529 assets, thinking that all of your saving and investing was for naught, and that you're stuck being taxed on withdrawals, plus having to pay the 10% penalty. Thankfully, that's not exactly true, because first, consider if they would have any type of qualifying expenses for their education as previously noted that you could use the funds on. For example, if they got a full-ride scholarship and room and board is covered, but maybe not all of their textbooks are covered or other required expenses, then you could use some of those assets in the 529 to pay for them. It just really depends on the logistics of the scholarship that they earn. Secondly, you could then actually transfer the 529 plan to a different beneficiary, such as another one of your children, or perhaps a niece or a nephew, or even a grandchild, or your spouse, or yourself. So if the assets in a 529 plan aren't necessarily used on the person that you thought they were going to be used on, just know that they can be transferred to someone else. So there are different ways that the 529 plan assets wouldn't be quote-unquote wasted if you still wanted to help others in your life with their educational costs. Besides the 529 savings plan, which we have primarily been discussing, there is another type of 529 plan called prepaid tuition plan. This type of plan is offered in a few states and at a few higher education places. This type of plan allows you to lock in the current tuition rate for your child to attend college in the future at a more affordable price. Obviously, this type of plan has its limitations, so I would really encourage you to do your own research if you are considering this type of plan. Although 529 plan assets are considered as parental assets when the student is applying for financial aid through FAFSA, it's more favorable than if the funds were to be considered the student's asset, such as the case in a UGMA or a UTMA account, which we will talk about next. So UGMA and UTMA accounts are the next type of account that we will review today. UGMA stands for Uniform Gifts to Minors Act, and UTMA stands for Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. And these types of accounts both allow you to give financially to your children through a custodial account. As the custodian, you as the parent would open the account and decide how to invest in it. You may decide to even use it for educational expenses, similar to a 529 plan, or perhaps as an adjunct to a 529 plan. However, unlike 529 plans, UGMA or UTMA accounts can be used on anything not just education. Additionally, depending on which state the account is opened in, once the child turns either 18 years old or 21 years old, the power and ownership transfers directly to them. This may sound to be a somewhat concerning or troublesome thought to you. 
Let's say, for example, if you have a 17-year-old whom you can tell that their frontal lobe isn't quite yet fully developed, but seriously, this brings up a good point that it would be great if you're able to teach and instill financial literacy into your children as they grow up. So when they are old enough to make these decisions and some of these custodial accounts transfer to them, they don't decide to go and blow all of their money. UGMA and UTMA accounts differ in that UGMA accounts only allow for money such as cash or stocks, but UTMA accounts also allow for property to be given to your children such as rental properties, vehicles, or even artwork. There are other things as well that can be provided through a UTMA account. UGMA and UTMA accounts don't have as many tax advantages that a 529 plan would have. Within UGMA and UTMA accounts, the first $1,100 of unearned income per year is generally tax-free. Then the next $1,100 gets taxed at the child's rate. And finally, the amount of the unearned income above the $2,200 combined is taxed at the rate of the parents, which is most likely higher than the child's tax rate, unless your child is a highly paid actor or something like that. Additionally, the assets in a UGMA or UTMA account are viewed as an asset for the student when applying for financial aid through FAFSA. So this is something to be considered as well. To summarize, the 529 plan is an excellent account to save for education, whether that be for yourself, your spouse, your children, or others in your life, and have pretty good benefits for taxes. On the other hand, UGMA and UTMA accounts are good ways to provide money and wealth to your children in a way that could be used for education, but also for anything else as they become young adults, such as a car, a wedding, a down payment on a house, or even a trip to explore the world during a gap year. Keep in mind, though, that your child could spend the UGMA or UTMA assets any way that they please once they turn 18 or 21 years old, depending upon the state that the account is in. Now that we have reviewed high-yield savings accounts, 529 plans, UGMA or UTMA accounts, let's discuss the next and final type of account that I wanted to review with you today, which would be a custodial Roth IRA. So the previous accounts that we've already discussed can help your children who do not work or are not employed. But if you do have some ambitious, hardworking kiddos, then a custodial Roth IRA account is a good account that you could open on behalf of your working child to allow them to save and invest for their futures. In episode 13 of the podcast, the power of the Roth IRA was reviewed for you as a PA or other working adults. In addition to how you could still contribute to one through something called the backdoor Roth IRA if your MAGI were too high for tax purposes. To review, the funds that are contributed to a Roth IRA are post-tax, meaning that you've already been taxed on them, but the growth is tax-free and the withdrawals can be tax-free either after the age of 59 and a half or through a Roth conversion ladder if you decide to retire early. So for a general overview of Roth IRAs, go ahead and take a listen to episode 13 if you haven't done so already. 
but we're talking about custodial Roth IRAs for your children. So a child's tax bracket is likely incredibly low as the income likely isn't a large amount. So it makes a lot of sense to contribute to a Roth IRA account over a traditional IRA account for most kids. Think of how much the account will grow with time and the power of compound interest. As with UGMA or UTMA accounts, once a child turns either 18 years old or 21 years old, depending on the state, you relinquish control of the assets as the custodian and the investment choices as well to the child who could again then decide to just blow all of their money instead of continuing to have it be invested for their future. So again, try to instill financial wisdom with your kiddos, even starting as young as toddlers, through the time that they become adults. As a reminder, $6,000 is the annual contribution limit for Roth IRAs, or the maximum income amount that your child earned in that year of work, whichever amount is lower. So if your young child or a teenager only earned $2,000 for that year, then they could only contribute $2,000 to their Roth IRA account for that year. They could not contribute the limit of $6,000. So many of you are likely thinking about either your own teenagers or yourself back as teenagers that had common jobs that teenagers may have, whether that's working at a fast food place or another type of restaurant or at a grocery store. There are lots of different types of jobs that teenagers do. And if they are hired through those types of companies, then it's easy to provide proof of working employment for tax purposes. However, there are many other types of jobs that a teenager, but even young kiddos could potentially do that could earn them money to be able to allow them to have a custodial Roth IRA account. For example, Things like babysitting or even mowing lawns in the neighborhood can count. Again, for these types of jobs, the child likely would not be getting a tax form to keep records on for their taxes. So it's important that they document or you document for them a paper trail to show proof of employment for tax purposes. And especially if the IRS were ever to be concerned or if they were ever to be audited in the future. As mentioned, even young kiddos could potentially have custodial Roth IRA accounts if they do have a paying job. So, for example, if you have a talented kiddo that is for some reason famous, such as an actor or an actress, or even a singer as a child, then that could count as earned working income. But if you are likely the majority of my listeners who don't necessarily have a pop star on their hands, one of the common paid jobs that I have heard for younger kiddos that people have done to have a custodial Roth area account for them is to have the child be a model for the parent's business. So for example, if you have a blog or you do a commercial for your business, then you could have your child have an account for being the model for the blog, for the pictures, or be the 
actor or actress in the commercial. The amount of money that the kid would be paid through the business has to be the going rate, though, for the model or the actor. It can't be that you decide that your child is absolutely so beautiful that you are going to be paying them $1,000 for their glamour shot to be posted on your website. It needs to be the going rate for what a child model is getting, usually paid at an hourly rate or perhaps for a business photo shoot or something like that. So this can be a little bit of a gray area, certainly. So I highly encourage that you speak with a tax professional if you are considering pursuing that type of employment for your child to be able to have a custodial Roth IRA. As a reminder, I am certainly not a tax professional. So anything that I reviewed with you today is coming from a PA that has a passion for financial independence and has done their research to put this information together for you. So please make sure that you are following all of the rules for tax purposes so you don't have the IRS knocking at your door. So many of you might have already had the thought, oh, I know what I could use for my child's income. The money that I give them for chores. Not so fast. Paying your kid to do chores or paying your kid an allowance really would likely not be considered earned income in the view of the IRS. On the other hand, if again you own a business of some type, such as a working farm, perhaps that you pay your children an hourly wage to do legitimate farm work, whether that's planting or harvesting crops, or if you have an orchard, picking the fruit, it's possible that that could be a legitimate earned income. But again, please review with your tax professional. So at this point, you may be convinced that your child needs to have a custodial Roth IRA account if they earn legitimate income as a paid employee. But what if your child really doesn't think that they need to have a custodial Roth IRA account to save and invest for their future? What if they go, mom or dad, I want this money that I earned because I want to spend it now as I please, whether that's on clothes, shoes, video games, going to see movies, going on vacations or trips with their friends, whatever the purpose is. Well, here is a consideration for you to meet them halfway, perhaps. Because you probably also want your kids to learn how to spend their money wisely, right? So you probably don't want to say, hey, you can't spend any of your earned income. You should only save and invest it for the future, right? So with this compromise, what it could be, that you and your child could work out perhaps that they do spend a portion of their earned income. So let's use the example of a child who has earned $2,000 in a calendar year. Maybe you have an agreement with them that they spend half of it. They spend $1,000. So they could take that extra $1,000 and put it in the custodial Roth IRA. But you could actually match that $1,000 for them 
and put $2,000 total in the Roth IRA for them. Because as a reminder, you can put up to their amount of earned income per year in the Roth IRA or $6,000, whichever amount is lower. So it doesn't need to physically be the exact money that your child earned. They could spend part of it and you as the parent could match it and sort of start to teach them about the concept of an employer match as well as budgeting where they can learn to spend on things that they value, but also to save and invest for their futures. Now, these are clearly all hypothetical situations, and it's really important that you and your spouse or your life partner discuss these concepts between yourselves and then decide what you would like to propose to your child or your teenager to try to help set them up for future success. So we have reviewed four different types of accounts that you could potentially open with and for your child to help set them up for future financial success. Theoretically and technically, each child could have all four of these types of accounts. And again, think of the power that compound interest would have over time. It could also be a good time to show a compound interest calculator online with your teenager or child to emphasize the importance of starting young. As mentioned at the beginning, it's common once you learn about financial independence to sort of kick yourself for not saving and investing for the future earlier. So for my husband and myself, he started a lawn mowing business when he was like 12 years old and was mowing lawns in his neighborhood, going around door to door. And then for myself, I started babysitting probably around that age, maybe a little bit older. And then I also roughed soccer and roughed volleyball when I was a teenager as well. So it really would have been amazing to have learned about Roth IRA accounts back then. We personally do not have any kiddos yet, but I really enjoyed taking the time to research this information on today's episode to think about for our future kiddos, as well as our nieces and nephew. And I know that there are several listeners from the PA Moms Facebook group. So I know that there are a ton of PA parents out there that have hopefully gotten a lot of value out of the information in today's episode. If that's the case, go ahead and leave a five-star review and comment on the review what you found interesting or what you have learned on the episodes. Also, consider sharing the episode with your spouse or partner or even your teenager so they can listen to the types of accounts that they could potentially have and help set themselves up for success. If you would like to follow along on Instagram, come over at PA the FI way, where I recently showed my face and am no longer anonymous on Instagram. I decided to do that step because I want to take the next steps in my business so I can start bringing more information to you. I keep hearing over and over again, man, I really wish that this type of information was taught in PA school. And that is exactly why I started this podcast as well as my website, pathefiway.com. It's because I had this feeling that it was just incredibly disheartening that we graduate with so much debt and potentially earn a pretty good income after PA school, but we're just not really equipped to manage 
paying off debt while saving and investing for our futures. I recently created a presentation that I would like to start presenting to second year PA students or potentially third year PA students if they are part of a longer program that are just about to graduate. And it's an overview about common financial mistakes that new PAs make right out of PA school and how to try to avoid those mistakes. So if you have connections to PA programs that would be potentially interested in this type of guest lecture, please contact me and let me know. You can either send an email at kat, K-A-T, at P-A-F-I-O-A.com or go to my website and fill out a contact form. Otherwise, if you are in the Facebook group or on Instagram, go ahead and shoot me a message. You can always post your questions on Facebook as well or send me private messages as well if you have any questions about anything. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to today's episode, which I really think has an important topic to try to help set your kids' futures up for success. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on. But more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.